Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. My name is Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's simply get biblical. But before we do, we have to tell you a couple of things to maximize your enjoyment of this show. Such as, I'm the ex-Christian, I was raised Presbyterian, I'm now atheist, and I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible. And... I am the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast, and I am reading the NRSV New Revised Standard Version This is of also the not Bible. an appropriate show for children. I want to welcome you back to the show. It's a brand new year, a brand new adventure. Same Bible and also same people, and the format of the show has not changed. Mostly we just took a couple weeks off. Uh, but we do now have t-shirts. That's right. If you go to tpublic.com and search for Sunday School Dropouts... You will find a cool ass T-shirt, mug, sweatshirt situation mm-hmm. for your purchasing enjoyment. All designed by Elise Carlton, the the third Beatle. That's right of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, today we're talking about First Peter. It's uh, in the regular Old New Testament, the canonical Bible, first epistle of Peter. It's confusing when you say the regular Old New Testament, like make up your mind. But okay, the well- regular medium Testament. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you ready for some fast fucking facts? I mean, I'm ready and willing. (laughs) Okay. Well, then I see no uh, reason to postpone any longer. Neither do I. Why are you arguing with me? I just want to argue. I'm just in a fighting mood. That's good. Use that energy. I'm a wildcat. You are. Go wildcats, everybody. (laughs) My middle school mascot was the wildcat. I know. Fast facts. Supposedly, this book is written by... Peter. Um, in fact, it says the first line says that it's written by Peter. Uh, that's but are probably these damned lies. They're pretty much goddamned lies. Uh, it really is not Peter. <laughs> we'll get into why later. But first of all, it's like probably written too late to be Peter, mm-hmm. and the Greek is probably more advanced. Like Peter would have spoken Aramaic and probably mm-hmm. wouldn't like know like really advanced literary Greek. Are you calling Peter a dum dum? Um. No, I'm just talking about the human ability to speak languages. Mm. Sounds like you call him a dum-dum. If you need a reminder of who Peter is, he was Jesus' favorite disciple, or at least in the top three, which are Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's in your top three, by the way? Just of of anything? No, just top three favorite disciples. Top three favorite disciples? You know Judas is number one. Mm-hmm. That That crafty fucker. That's right. Truly a mischievous spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter's given name is Simon. He was nicknamed Kepha, which is Aramaic for rock. Mm-hmm. And then that translates into Latin as Petrus or into English as Peter. Um, because Jesus designated him as the rock that he would build his church on. Uh, we've seen in some of the epistles that Paul wrote that Peter and Paul had some power struggles in the early Christian church. Uh, we don't know exactly what they were. But it seems like the main issue was Paul was more focused on converting Gentiles and Peter saw Christianity more as part of Judaism. Mm. Um, and, of course, we did an amazing episode on the uh, well, don't pick it up too apocryphal. Much. I'm sorty We did an episode on the on the amazing apocryphal acts of Peter. I mean, it was amazing, which had <laughs> the episode of the book or both. Just continue. OK. According to tradition, Peter was the first bishop of Rome, a.k.a. the first pope, but uh, none of that is really relevant because Peter didn't even write this, so whatever. Um, I mean, it's relevant because 
you know, when people ask you about Peter, what you know about Peter. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. Yeah. So that's what you can tell them. Um, you can tell them Peter was a, the first pope. Yeah. If you want to make a bunch of friends, just whenever anybody mentions Peter. <laughs> just, of or kind, like just, anyone named Peter. Mm-hmm. Just jump in and be like, he was the first pope, you know. <laughs> pope ain't easy. Um, chapter one. Shall we attack it? It seems like a natural place to start. Okay. So. Letter starts off by saying it's by Peter, which it's not. Mm-hmm. Then it says it's addressed to a bunch of churches in like a bunch of regions, um, Pontus, Galatia, etc. All all um, your faves, honestly. <laughs> all of them are in what is now Turkey. Got it. Um, Asia Minor. Yeah, which is interesting that like half the Pauline epistles were to places in Turkey too, or like more than half. Mm. It was like Turkey's like a really big place for the early church. Must have been. Um. And let's see, he calls the uh, the recipients of his letter God's elect who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. So first mm, of all, sprinkling, just a sprinkling of blood. First of all, a sprinkling of blood. <laughs> Second of all, we've got a pretty solid trinity now. Oh. So you can tell this was, trinity written, watch. This was written later because oh. it's like. Yeah, these are God's elect with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know? Got it. It's not even, like, weird. You don't have to explain it. Right. Got it. Yeah, you don't have to be like, well, you see, when everything was put under Christ's feet in Isaiah, that meant blah, blah, No, it's just Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Everybody knows what we're talking about, um, which obviously Peter didn't know that. The real Peter. Because um, he actually knew Jesus. So Right. So he was like, yeah. This is like the Messiah. Right. And Jesus didn't talk about it. So he talked about being the Messiah and the son of God in a figurative sense. Well, whatever. We're getting into the weeds. The important thing is that Peter says he knows that uh, all these Christians have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. But he says that that's just happening so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So I read a little bit that. This letter may have been written specifically because these churches in Asia Minor were being prosecu- persecuted in some way. And perhaps prosecuted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And of course, we know that early Christians were persecuted. Indeed. I mean, that makes total sense because this whole book is oriented around the idea of how good it is to suffer. Right. Physically, specifically. Yes. And how if you suffer physically, that's that's great because it imitates Christ and it sets you up for... Uh, it's like the fast track to spiritual success. Yes. Yeah, it's like for your heavenly reward. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you suffer now, but then you'll be in heaven for eternity. And I really like that he says uh, part of like the reward that you get mm-hmm. is that you like get to know about Jesus. And like when you think about the Old Testament, like all those prophets were really talking about Jesus. Right. but. But they like hadn't they didn't get to meet him, you know, but we get to like follow Jesus for reals and quote, even angels long to look into these things. So like we get this cool belief system that even angels want to have. Yeah, The text here is really weird. Like it sounds very legalese almost. It's very formal in it in a strange way that you don't see in a lot of these letters. Yeah, it is definitely like better written than the Pauline epistles. I'm going to read the NRSV. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied 
of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. That just slid right over my brain. I (laughs) I didn't catch a single word of that. That's like the terms of service when you're clearly signing away your right to exist as an individual human being, but you're like, I don't know. Sure, whatever. Um, Chapter 2 uses this same metaphor that we've seen a lot in Pauline epistles that church members are like newborns who need quote-unquote spiritual milk. Oh, I love it. So gross. They're not ready for solid food yet. I don't know if that was a common metaphor at the time. I think it's just ripping off Paul. Mm. Or This chapter know. should be called Suck on the God Tit. Um, excuse me? Suck on the God Tit. Okay. Where, Put it on a t-shirt. Where are you going to get that spiritual milk? Except from the teat of the Lord himself. So actually in medieval art, mm-hmm. there's like a lot of um, depictions of Jesus nursing people. Sweet. Yes. Or like also people like nursing from his wounds. Right. And lots of sonic impreg, I assume. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. It's not any crazier than people nursing from Jesus's wounds, is it? I'd really not that much crazier. <laughs> a little crazier because, well, yeah, but I mean, whatever. Um, and now we get to this whole section about rocks, which is uh, great because, like, Peter's name means rock. Mm-hmm. So the whole section is either very self-aggrandizing or it's just, like, epic dad pun. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just going on this full full rock speech a small excerpt as you come to him the living stone you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house for in scripture it says see i lay a stone in zion a chosen and precious cornerstone it's mm-hmm. an answer another retread from the pauline epistles christians are aliens and strangers in the world because they're god's people now they're not earthly people mm. also says to obey early authority and for slaves to respect their masters just like paul um that part, that part is super weird, right? Yeah. I feel like Peter, quote unquote Peter, has has like a new gloss on this slaves obeying their masters right. thing. He's really innovating on this great idea that <laughs> we really need to like develop further and further it'd about slaves for, obeying their masters. It'd be good for religion to be involved in this power yeah. structure. Yeah. Um, and his logic, Peter's logic is that he says like, okay, obviously if you're a slave, your master is going to beat you because that's like what slavery is. So... If you don't do anything wrong, but then you still endure being beaten, then you're very noble and Christ-like because, you know, like Christ did nothing wrong, but was, you know, physically beaten and tortured and killed. Um, But if you did do something wrong as a slave, disobeying your master, Mm -hmm. uh, who cares if you endure the beating because like you did something wrong, so it's not noble. You don't even get points for it. Yeah. Then you're just like suffering for no reason. Right. So it's like if you're going to suffer, you should suffer for like a good reason, a noble reason and not just like. Suffer for nothing. I thought it was very odd in the context of these churches in Asia Minor being persecuted because if he's telling them basically to accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor supreme or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong, um, it's kind of like just suck it up. You know, it's like accept your suffering. Yeah. Even if the government is persecuting you. Yeah. As a people. Yeah. It's like, I know it's hard to be a Christian right now, but just... Just suck it up. Just don't just do suffer. anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we're going to get even even more into this. The, the whole book is based... Like, the word suffer or suffering 
appears probably more than any other word. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a weird way to build a church for me, you know? Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm kind of of two minds about it because on the one hand, like, I think that like obviously everybody experiences some level of suffering. Mm-hmm. He's talking to people who are experiencing like a pretty high level because they're being politically. You like, know, for example, sometimes they don't have the cereal that I like at the store. Right. And that's and like. I have to buy the other type from the same brand. But like a different like, flavor. Yeah. That has like one more gram of sugar. Mm-hmm. And so it's like not even healthy. It's basically like pouring a bowl of hog shit down my throat every yeah. morning. So it's like that. Mm-hmm. That's what like being an early Christian was like and like being thrown in the Colosseum to be eaten by lions. It was like exactly like not getting the right cereal. And Christianity's here to help us with that. Good. <laughs> so, so you're saying I should get the wrong cereal. Um, Peter definitely wants you to get the wrong. So if I just pour that hog shit down my throat every morning. Yeah. And then die. Then you're very Christ-like. Yeah. Not sure whether that reflects most poorly upon me or Christ. (laughs) Um, I mean, so like, I think something very valuable that, that Christianity and like religion in general can offer is like comfort from the inevitability of suffering. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, like... It's very dangerous to glorify suffering mm-hmm. for the, just for its own sake. So, like, there's there's kind of a, a, a paradox going on here where you can use this religion to, like, bring meaning to your suffering and, and help you grow through your suffering, mm-hmm. help you, like, deal with it. But then also you just tip it a little bit too far and all of a sudden you're, like, flagellating yourself wearing right. hair shirts, you know? Yeah. Or justifying inflicting suffering on other people right. because suffering is in, in of itself a holy thing. Right. Or like, I mean, Mother Teresa was a, basically a terrible person. Um, and like all the sick people she quote unquote helped, like they had to suffer a lot because she right. thought suffering was holy. Yeah. And so she like wasn't really interested in like treating them, helping them get better. She was just like, hey, great. We're suffering. I'll like feed you so you can continue to live and suffer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, chapter three, guess what? Huge shocker. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Oh, yeah. that's This is the good part. If your husband isn't a Christian, he'll be so impressed by your submissiveness that he'll convert. Or even if he's a bad Christian and he's just not acting right. You... Then you'll like drag him back onto the path just by doing whatever he tells you. That's how you influence somebody else's actions is just you give them influence over your actions. It makes total sense. That's right. They can't help but be won over when they see the purity and reverence of your life yes um also (laughs) do not adorn yourselves outwardly by braiding your hair or by wearing gold ornaments or fine clothing yes rather let your adornment be the inner self with the lasting beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in god's sight and then he says for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in god used to make themselves beautiful they were submissive to their own husbands like sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. Now, no offense to Peter, mm-hmm. but according to the book of Genesis, mm-hmm. Sarah is the one who commands Abraham to have a child with their maid. She's the one who kicks the maid and the child out of the house. Once she has her own kid. And also she laughed at Abraham when he said that God would give them kids. So, like, I don't think that's the best <laughs> I mean, she I did look up the story and she does use the word master, but it's very casually. She's like, my master is old. We can't have children. Right. It's just like saying my, you know, my husband, whatever. Mm-hmm. And also wasn't Rachel adorned with the fancy nose ring? 
Um, I think Rebecca, Rebecca was. Excuse me. Yeah. So, thanks for nothing. Yeah. I I just think it's the wrong. I think he picked the wrong wife here. <laughs> like Sarah seems like one of the, the less wife. <laughs> the less obedient uh, wives in the Bible. But whatever. Um, I think it's just it's just like quick talk for Sarah equals holy good person. Yeah, but like. But yeah, that shouldn't be in the Bible. Pick, pick a yeah. different. There's plenty of submissive wives yeah, in the Bible true. to pick from. Why Sarah? Whatever. Very few of them say anything in the Bible, though. I mean, fair. So wives are supposed to be submissive to their husbands, which is something that we saw in, you know, several other epistles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thing is that, like, in in other epistles, I forget which I forget which one it was. So a Thessalonian or a Corinthian or something where it's like, yes, but then husbands also need to, like, take good care of their wives or whatever. Right. And so <laughs> he he tries here to, like do that same trade-off but he also fucks it up real bad because what what husbands have to do in return for their wives is quote be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner oh thank you so much that's so generous truly this is an equitable relationship the most respectful way you can treat someone um you left out my favorite part of that what's, what's your favorite part um Husbands, in the same way, show consideration for your wives in your life together, paying honor to the woman as the weaker sex, since they, too, are also heirs of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing may hinder your prayers. What does that mean? Well, it's just like, you know, happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy except life. Except it's happy wife, happy afterlife. Got it. Got it. The important thing is that... You don't want to be distracted by a nagging wife. That's right, because you have important prayers to Got do. it. That's like... That's the goal of treating your wife with respect is to just make sure facilitate your own life that it's just keep things keep ticking along, you know, like they're supposed to. Right. It also reminded me a lot. I was uh, recently reading somebody went back and read a bunch of those men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Oh, and I can't uh-huh. remember which publication I read it in, but there was like a workplace edition of that. Oh, God. Like male co- co-workers are from Mars. Oh, God. Female co-workers are from Venus. Oh, my thing. God. And there is a section in there for women. Uh, And it says, ladies, here's how to have a conversation with guys at your work. And then the corresponding section for men is how to have a conversation with women at work. So, like, one of them is is for the intended audience of the book, men Uh (laughs) or the and then the other one is like, hey, ladies, hey, ladies, how to how to like fake talk about football or whatever. Oh, my God. Um, And that came that reminded me a lot of this because. The advice for men is basically like, just whatever. Accept a little bit of their bullshit just so that you can get Appease on with your them, stuff. Just... Well, for women, it's like bend yourself out of shape to be the perfect like spiritual accessory to someone else's yes. life. Yeah, totally. Ugh. So anyway, the sentiment's still alive and well. Great. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, you may have been concerned that. <laughs> yeah, I was a little worried that wives were like not submissive enough anymore, but I'm glad to know that we're still. Uh, twisting women around and just like breaking their spines mm-hmm. to fucking but not for a fun men. like slam dance kind of way no in the least fun slam dance kind of <laughs> that's way that's right the slam dance way <laughs> uh then he gets back on the suffering track the suffering track is a good name for something Ooh, that's my self-help book the suffering tra- that's peter's self-help book mm. he gives the general 
population the same advice that he gave to slaves. Generally called gen pop. He gives the gen pop the same advice he gave to slaves, which is do the right thing. You might suffer because of it, but that's good. It's good to suffer for doing the right thing. But if you do the wrong thing, you're still going to suffer anyway. And then that just sucks. What an odd way to look at the world. Yes. As part of this explanation, we get this very uh, mysterious little passage. Are, are you ready for the mysterious little passage? I'm ready. I it's love very, mysteries. It's a very small and mysterious passage. It says, for Christ. That was small and mysterious. <laughs> it says, it says, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, etc., etc. So the confusing thing is, who are the spirits in prison? And how did Jesus preach to them? And what does that have to do with Noah? And what does that have to do with the crucifixion? So, there's a few ways that people have interpreted this passage. And the footnotes in my Bible <laughs> lay them all out in a very, shall we say, stupid way, mm -hmm. as usual. Also, like, the notes for this book in my Bible, there's like, the notes take up two thirds of the page. Mm -hmm. There's like a tiny little strip of text at the top of the page, and then it's like all footnotes. Um, As you see their entire editorial staff twisting themselves into tiny pretzels trying yes. to make sense of this. So the first interpretation is just that Jesus, he hadn't been incarnated as a human yet, but he still existed and was part of the Holy Trinity in Noah's day. And so it's just like Jesus communicated with Noah as you know, part of oh, God. Yeah. I guess that's a good point. Like the Godhead didn't split when Jesus came down to earth, right? Yeah. According to. It was just always that way. According to the theory of the Trinity. Yeah, okay. The cool. doctrine of the Trinity. And that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. Just seems kind of whatever. Yeah. Um, Mysterious. The second interpretation is amazing because it has to do with the evil fuck angels. Mm -hmm. So. As you may I haven't remember, seen those guys in a while. What's up with them? I'm gonna I'm gonna give our listeners a reminder of the evil fuck angels. They came down from heaven. They brought forbidden knowledge to humans, and uh, they also had sex with human women. And the resulting offspring were a monstrous race of giants who ate everything, including humans and each other. And then uh, God sent the flood to you know shut all that down, yeah, drown all that in water. And also, he locked the evil fuck angels up in some cosmic hell pit or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so the second theory about this passage in First Peter is that Jesus went down to that cosmic hell pit and, quote unquote, preached to the fuck angels like, ha ha, I win, you lose. Mm. However, my Bible's notes take issue with this interpretation because, quote, it assumes sexual relations between angels and women. And such physical relations may not be possible for angels since they are spirits. It may not be possible. I love so that they that's, they keep the window open. That's just their in case objection. Science at someday proves that it angels could have actually could have actually humans. yes. So like okay, you're fine with the idea that fallen angels could be imprisoned in like another dimension, mm -hmm. and that someone who is both God and God's son simultaneously could and would 
zoom to that other dimension and make fun of them, that's fine. That's right. all. That all that's makes not sense. A problem. <laughs> Consistent with the. But can angels have sex with humans? I don't think so. Yet to be seen. <laughs> um, and then the third theory is the most famous one, which mm-hmm. is uh, called "quote unquote" the harrowing of hell, right? Or um, Christ's descent into hell. I think is another. I like the harrowing better. I, I agree. And it holds that when Jesus died on the cross and he was dead for, you know, three days before he resurrected, during those three days, he went down to hell or limbo or some other realm of the dead, depending on which uh, branch of Christianity you're in. flavor you prefer. And he rescues all the souls of the people down there who were righteous but died before jesus was alive right and so obviously they couldn't go to heaven without jesus because nobody can go to heaven without jesus but that wasn't their fault because jesus just hadn't been born yet so they're just like chilling in the nether realm yeah presumably including the you know jewish patriarchs yeah so yeah so everyone's down abraham's down there moses is down there unclear if elijah's down there since he supposedly ascended to heaven in a chariot of fire but who knows uh now that Jesus has died for everyone's sins, they all get to come to heaven. Now, this is not something that I learned growing up. I don't think it's a very big deal in most Protestant uh, branches. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of this until I was like an adult and learned more about Catholicism. Um, but it's actually in the Catholic catechism. So like when you're studying for confirmation and you learn the catechism, like you have to say that as part of your belief, Jesus went down into limbo and saved all the past righteous people because despite god making covenants with them they couldn't get into heaven because of a technicality what the hell <laughs> you can't, that doesn't make any sense you can't write that into your like religion as like a fundamental part of it it makes no sense i mean i i don't mean to be too direct but a lot of it doesn't make any sense <laughs> also so this, why can't they write also, it also this disproves that person's theory remember like a listener wrote in and said that their christian friend Described salvation oh, right. as like All your the... sins get sent back in time to Jesus yeah. where he gets rid of them. Mm-hmm. But how come Abraham's sins didn't get sent forward in time? Well, they did if you don't believe the harrowing of hell. Yeah. And it would make sense. I mean, like Jesus showed up and died for all of humanity's sins. So all of those sins are wiped out, which means that anybody caught in limbo or anywhere else can just get sucked up to heaven then. But like. Why does Jesus have to do it personally? Well, yeah. But also like. Why did they have to wait? Whatever, however old, you know, Abraham died, what, I don't know, like, let's say 2,000 years before Jesus. Yeah. So, like, why do you have to wait for 2,000 years? Why couldn't God just, God already knew that Jesus was going to die. Well, God's God's plans were still in motion at that point. You have to admit, he was personally involved in a lot of those decisions. Yeah, but God knows everything that's going to happen. So he knows Jesus is going to die. Why does Abraham have to wait for 2,000 years? I mean, Abraham wasn't, he was dead. Yeah, but he's in limbo or some shit. Yeah, for 2,000 years. Maybe why why doesn't God just take him right up to heaven? Maybe limbo, the time passes in a in a snap of a, of, of a single finger, my dear boy. I, I really think that you're... Why, why are you bending over backwards to make this work? It's because I don't care. <laughs> oh. oh, don't care. Got it. It's, Got all, it. it's all fairly arbitrary <laughs> at some point, right? Yes. I mean, you're right. I probably am. I guess I'm like... Doing the opposite of what these footnotes are doing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, the evil fuck angels. Those were real. But like, why does Abraham have to be in limbo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, on that note, should we take a break? That sounds like a great idea. We'll take a quick break. You're going to hear some music and we'll be back 
in about a minute. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we are talking about the book of First Peter. We're on chapter four now. <sighs> suffering. Peter. <laughs> Peter and suffering. Maybe it's like a literary technique. Like he's so into suffering that he's uh, like going to make you suffer. Meta. It's a very while meta you're technique. reading the book. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's going to start chapter four with a thing about uh, quote unquote suffering in your body. Um, because it makes you less connected to earthly pleasures mm-hmm. and also imitates Christ's suffering. It says, he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Don't think that's necessarily 100% true. See how you can just proclaim that. Yeah. I mean, there are many reasons. Like, it, well, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who cares? Who cares? Um, again, this is like another example of this thing I don't like about Christianity where it's like, forget earth only care about going to heaven Mm -hmm. um and obviously like uh in our james episode you know our guest jim talked about how you don't have to interpret it that way and that was cool to learn but i think that a lot of christians still do interpret it that way i think that's like the dominant interpretation and it definitely seems to be more present like in james you could definitely argue it Mm -hmm. it's much harder to argue here like this is very it even like takes that heaven earth dichotomy and makes it into almost just like classic like dualism the difference between like body and soul you mm-hmm. know it's it's just like the body trash soul's the only thing that counts in fact souls yeah <laughs> that's what i'm talking about souls oh you mean like dark souls no i just mean you said body and soul oh Body trash. Souls. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Souls. Uh... Not everything has to be about video games, Lauren. I'm sorry. God. You know I'm a gamer girl. That's right. A quote, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. How did they know? Can we just maybe find a middle ground between, like... <laughs> like self-flagellation and orgies and just yeah, like live a, a normal life it's like you've been selfish you know <laughs> maybe you could be less selfish instead it's like we know what you've been doing you've been the having orgies. orgies now it's time to suffer yeah. <laughs> um this whole quote so yeah, somebody who's into that idolatry orgy lifestyle might be a little too into the suffering i'm saying like you're gonna have that's pulling somebody back from real far out there you sure that's where you want to aim i mean like I don't, I don't think so. I don't think, I think so. Because, like, 
it sounds it's like a tactical error on on Peter's part here. That amount of carousing, orgying, idolatrizing, that takes a lot of admin work to <laughs> to to set up and maintain. <laughs> There's a lot of red tape. <laughs> what I'm saying is they have a strong sunk cost fallacy involved uh, with true, that. True, true. They could be like, but I already have orgies planned every weekend for the next <laughs> six months. You I'm want like, me to cancel? I that? already like invested like ten thousand dollars in all like renting these venues and. Um, this whole quote is actually really weird. It continues after the after the orgy line that like these these pagans uh, think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. Mm-hmm. But they will have to give. Why account. would I ever share a s- stream of dissipation with someone I didn't know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you need safe dissipation sites. That's right. Um, Only with f- friends. Family members, people I trust. People you trust. Mm -hmm. But these pagans will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't really get it, but... First of all, what? Second of all, come on. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to suffer, I understand that it can be very beautiful to ascribe meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a necessary part or otherwise. of life. Yeah. But like, you don't you don't got to go seek out suffering just for suffering's sake. That doesn't work. And that doesn't, it's not some magic thing that makes your life meaningful if you suffer. Right. That's, that's the thing. It's like, you can attribute meaning to suffering, but it's not meaningful in and of itself. I think that's really scary to think about mm-hmm. because most people do have so much suffering in their lives and like it's kind of terrible to contemplate like, oh, that's meaningless. It's just suffering and it means nothing and there's no point to it and life is just shitty. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to try and find a way to get away from that idea that right. life is just, you know, nasty, brutish and short or whatever. And the book does say that it does say you know it's much better to suffer for the lord than to suffer for evil things yeah but at the same time it really muddles that message and like suffering in the body doesn't free you of sin that doesn't make any sense right exactly i thought we had this whole thing worked out where the whole reason that you're free of sin is because jesus came down he died in the sacrifice and the blah 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 yeah so what the hell and if suffering in the body frees you of sin but you can only do that if you're living a godly that only applies if you're living a godly life yeah Right? Because he said you have to suffer for good things. Yeah. You can't suffer so you for evil things. So you can suffer in the body and it not yeah. for you of sin, right? Right. It's not universal. Right? Yeah. Who knows? Chapter five, last chapter, tells elders to shepherd young people, tells young like men. so many sheep. <laughs> so many sheep. <laughs> tells young men to be submissive to elders. Obviously, young women are not addressed because they're subhuman. Uh, he says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing in the faith. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like that was a good line. Yeah. I'm just trying to find a little glimmer in here that's good. No, it's good. It's strong. I mean, you, there's one thing that you can't fault the Bible for, and it's strong shepherd wolf metaphors. True. Yeah, yeah. Shepherd predator metaphors. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he does, you know, this standard wrap up, just like Paul always does. Um, and in fact names one of the same people that paul often names which is silas Mm -hmm. um 
And, you know, he so he says he's writing this with Silas, which is something that Paul says a lot. Again, just like with Paul, we're not sure what that means. It could be, you know, Silas co-authored this. It could mean that he's just in the other room and they're hanging out. It could mean that he transcribed it or whatever. In mine, he's actually named Sylvanus, which sounded like an elf to me. Really? Because that's the Greek name. Sylvan, that means um, like forest. Yeah, that's why it sounds like an elf. Silva, <laughs> he's Brazilian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, interesting. Mine has Silas. There, I think, j- different transliterations of the same name, or Silas is a translation of Sylvanus or something along those lines. Weird, huh? It's not a not a big deal. It seems like a big deal to me because. Is it the same person? Is it supposed to be the same person? I think it's the same person. Yeah. It's just, it's the same name, just transliterated or translated differently. Okay. Well, then that's fine. Yeah, I'll it's, accept it. It's not it. a big deal. It's okay. I'll accept it. It's okay. Um, he also says, Peter says, uh, she who is in Babylon chosen together with you sends you her greetings. So that's what you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. with Babylon as a metaphor. I assume here that Babylon or she is like the church, you know, like the right. bride of Christ. Um, and she's like in exile on earth trying to get back to heaven. Right. Like the Jews were exiled in Babylon trying to get back to Jerusalem. I don't know for sure. So she sends her greetings, as does my son Mark. Mm-hmm. Again, same thing Paul did. You know, someone who's really close to him, he calls him his son. Yep. Uh, Just like they do on Twitter these days. Yes. He calls him his large son. And uh, I think one thing that we can say for certain Mm-hmm. Is that there's no way Peter wrote this because okay. it's obviously just trying to copy Paul, right? Or try to copy other people who are also trying to copy Paul. Not to me. I'm no. I'm no scholar. I'm no academic. But it does seem to be very clearly building on the legacy of letters that Paul had written. I mean, it uses like so many of the same points and even some of the same metaphors. Right. And like, you know, slaves be submissive to your submissive to your masters, wives be submissive to your husbands spiritual milk whatever sure god tit the big milk yeah Yeah, the big milk dan jesus your bobbies Mm -hmm. uh peter and paul were like struggling there's no way they would have come up with like the exact same structure and ideas right i i mean you would doubt it but you don't know i think the important thing to realize is that we don't have all the answers obviously but someone does the big man nope it's the boy's bible baby oh the scorpion that's right written by the scorpion i assume um so for example the crab scorpion asks us to get a load of this get a load of it greet one another with a kiss of love first peter 5 14 don't worry this was a custom they did back then you don't have to pucker up your lips and kiss people in church wow wow don't worry (laughs) also in the get cooler section uh-huh. of the boy's bible yeah this ha- is the main called... objective of the bible is to make everybody cooler <laughs> <laughs> one of them this section is called it's called persecution okay when people are razzing you or making fun of you because they think you're a wimp for believing in god or the devil actually stirs them up to attack you that's called persecution what you're quote suffering as a christian But hey, if you're doing things against God's word and things go wrong and you suffer for it, you can't say you're, quote, being persecuted. Another kind of suffering, like cancer or what happened in New York and Washington, D.C. on September 11, 2001, happens because we live in a fallen world. 
There's a lot of suffering in life because of sin in the world, but through it all, God said he'd be with you and help you. Jesus declared that his followers would be persecuted. But even when that happens, keep on going and continue to share your faith. Your reward will be great in heaven. See, okay. This is this is what I'm fucking talking about, right? This is like how mainstream Christianity interprets this shit. Mm-hmm. That like we live in a fallen world and like your reward in heaven is what really matters. Mm-hmm. Also, that was weird. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that was just plain weird. Yeah. I feel like a wimp for believing in God. Yeah. That's so that's okay. This is another thing is that Christians have this bizarre persecution complex. It's like it's called persecution. <laughs> you like most Americans believe in God. Most Americans are Christians mm-hmm. and like Christianity is unquestionably the dominant religion. Every single president has been Christian except Trump, who's an atheist, but even he pretends he's a Christian mm-hmm. and like. They still think, oh, well, people are going to make fun of you because, like, Christians are so persecuted, even though we control everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, and that shit is, like, in this Bible for kids, for, like, 11-year-old boys. Yeah. That's, like, what I was brought up with, you know? I thought the, the tonal disharmony of saying all of this is because we live in a fallen world. Yeah. Right after being like, if people tease you because they think you're a wimp for believing in God, you know? That's just that's from the Bible, and then let's just going straight to nine eleven world. Yeah. What what is what is a fallen world? Yeah. This is a fallen world. Like what's yeah the whole world's a fallen world. Well, shit. I mean that makes sense, but it's like suffer in your body because it's fallen. Mm. All that matters is your soul. Weird stuff. All that matters is something that doesn't even exist. I can see yours. You can see my soul. Yeah, Ooh. floating exactly Ooh. eighteen inches up. above your head. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, well, that was great. I'm glad we got those very valuable insights from the Crab Scorpion. Do you feel cooler now? I do. <laughs> Why was that cooler? It's called that persecution. That wasn't cooler at all. <laughs> okay. Okay. We need to rate this freaking book. We do. I'm going to give it one out of eight orgies because it sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, additionally, I would say that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's good to find a way to uh, take meaning out of suffering, mm-hmm. but this is not the way. <laughs> a different way. We need a different way. Only good thing about this book is that it may obliquely reference the fuck angels. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing them, tr- coming closer to uniting the canons. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how would you rate this book? Similarly, I think I'm going to give it like two out of eight lambs without defect or blemish. Nice. Uh, yeah, because I also think it's an important thing to to think about how to relate suffering, especially if you're going to talk about God, like an all-knowing, all-powerful God. The idea that there's suffering or that people are suffering is a difficult concept. Yeah. And so, like, trying to come up with a way to put those things together, to synthesize them, uh, seems like a good thing to have in your religious text. This seems a little half-baked for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it either contradicts itself or doesn't make itself clear enough about what what the hell its point is. And it's just like copying other shit. Yeah. It's, it's also, redundant. There are a couple of decent lines in there, but they seem sort of cobbled together from other stuff. While the, a lot of the language is very formal and legalese, or philosophical, I'd say, rather than legalese, yeah. um, which doesn't 
have a lot of resonance with me personally. Sure. Um, so for those reasons, two out of eight. Two very strong thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Out of eight. The first epistle of Peter. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote Peter. But ding dong, you know what that sound means. What does that sound mean? The witch is dead? That's right, baby. And she left her mailbag to us. Nice. In her will. <laughs> her contested was, will, may I say. That was very kind of her. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, late night calls to the lawyer, mm. right? Before, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Late but night I'd calls. But I prefer not to talk more about it. To because instead, we have to go through this stanky mailbag. <laughs> insult our listeners by referring to this mailbag as stanky well it's only stanky because a witch died on it oh okay fair enough listener john wrote in to tell us a memory he had of his dad reading the book of james out loud to him and his siblings who were little kids and uh getting fidgety and one of the kids started climbing under the table so that his dad read the line as quick to listen slow to speak and you cut that out very uh classic Classic Bible slash dad slash yelling story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those, those things are like, those three things are very strongly linked in my mind. I see. <laughs> Bible dad yelling. Bible dad yelling. Yeah. Our listener Chester wrote in again. He was actually the first person to write in and ask for a curse for his cats. Yay. But then he kind of fell off the wagon and didn't listen to the show for a while. And when he picked it back up, he discovered that cat curses has become the arguably main focus and best part of the show i would say so yeah he also said us getting married inspired him to propose to his girlfriend and she said yes yay so congratulations to chester and eloise yay and here's an encore curse for their cats fitty scent and solid snake to those who do not believe the stone the builders reject has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall i guess that's addressed to fitty scent and solid snake they know what they did. They know what they did. Uh, listener Margo also sent us a very beautiful email that I wish we had time to read all of uh, about growing up in the United Church of Christ, which she says is almost as chill as the Unitarian Universalists. So pretty, pretty chill. Pretty chill. Um, but she still found the part of the service where they asked God for forgiveness. Strange, because if God could hear me talking to him, then why the heck did he need me to list everything I did wrong? And what was the point of everyone confessing in the same exact way, especially since we were automatically forgiven afterwards? It wasn't exactly hard to be forgiven for our sins. That does seem pretty, yeah, it's pro forma, you know. You just... Yeah, but Jesus died so that it was easy, right? <laughs> Think about how hard it would oh, be if yeah, he had died. He put in the work for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. We just um, have to fill out the forms, I guess. I guess. She also said that the show has given her things to talk about with her mom and helped them reconnect, which is really lovely and we were really touched to hear that and uh we just send you all the best wishes and feelings uh she also gave us three dogs to bless misty who has sadly passed away strider and a lab mix named james blonde damn that's a cute dog so here's a blessing for them do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult but with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing good dogs good dogs that will wrap up our show for today um, you can follow us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. We're always on there chatting and memeing and making announcements and shit. So Chatting and slapping. Yeah, just slapping about. Slapping the memes. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow Lauren on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. And you can follow Nico on Twitter at Nico Baculich. You can send us email, including uh, dogs and cats or cool stories or I don't know. Just like friendship words. Mm. To so you can con- send us a virtual friendship bracelet mm-hmm. that you made at camp. At virtual camp. At virtual camp. To contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's dot lol, not dot com. 
We're also on Facebook. You can find Sunday School Dropout t-shirts, mugs, etc. at tpublic.com. Look for Sunday School Dropouts. And uh, on those mugs, you will find the beautiful logo designed by Elise Carlton. Thank you, as always, to her. And thank you to Nico for our music, audio engineering, and editing. You're welcome, my dear. We will be back next week with more Sunday School Dropouts. Thanks for hanging out with us while we took a break for the holidays and New Year's. And I hope you're doing great. Nice. <laughs> that was a great freestyle, baby. Just like Black Thought. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye.